Well, once again, Happy New Year, everyone. You know, and, and it's always good when we start off New Year's. We, I know we all have, you know, resolutions. And, oh, I'm sorry, high schoolers, you are free to go to Sunday school right now. So if you're in high school, um, you're dismissed to uh, Sunday school in the youth room. But when I was in college, you know, I, you know, desperately needed a job. You know, because um, I remember my parents telling me that when you're 18, we want you out of the house. And so I left the house when I was 20, and I was still in college, and I had to, you know, pay for my education and all of that. So I, I had all kinds of jo- uh, jobs, you know, selling china and crystal. I did the um, cut co, you know, knives and china, carico china and all of that. And um, But one of the jobs I had was, you know, a fitness counselor. And part of it is I just wanted that job because I could work out for free, you know. But I soon found out that they wanted me to sell memberships. And that was my sole purpose. It wasn't to help people out with a a workout, you know. And there wasn't to be the workout counselor because I really wasn't trained in that. Yet they asked us to do that. It was to sell memberships. And this was the big time of the year, every new year. And it was the easiest time to sell memberships. We didn't have to go out and advertise. We didn't have to ask their members, hey, could you give us five people that you would, that you would think that would want to, you know, join our gym? People just came. Why? Because they wanted to start the new year off right. And we knew that we would probably see them at most, at most, for about three months. And after that, you know, we wouldn't see them. And the beauty of that is we required people to put down a pretty large down payment. And we say, hey, it's only $6 a month, right? But, you know, oh, thank you, Sharon. Um, When people put down a large down payment and stop coming... They're still going to pay their six or twelve dollars a month, right? Because they in be in the back of their head is, I'm going to go back. I said I'm going to get in a shape. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. And unfortunately, they never come back. <laughs> and the gym just kept getting their money. Um, but anyway, you know, when we start our New Year's resolutions, it's always because <clears throat> we're not satisfied with something in our life. Right, we 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 take stock of what's going on in our lives, and we say, okay, you know, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And New Year's is always the best time for us to say, okay, this is a clean slate, and this is what I'm going to start making these changes. You know, a lot of them have to to do with health. You know, exercise, diet. Some of you might say, you know what, this is a year. I'm going to be more organized. Or this is the year that I'm going to be a better uh, spouse. Or this is the year that I'm going to really work hard on my grades and I'm going to study harder to do well in school. Whatever it is, you know, these resolutions are made because when we look at our lives, we realize changes need to be made. But then how many of our resolutions have to do with our spiritual lives? How many of the, you're saying, you know what, Lord, you know, this year, I want, you know, I want you to work in this part of my life. And this is what I'm going to do. I know that you're going to be doing the work, but 
you know, I, I feel that, you know, I would like you to work in this part of your life. And I'm going to put the effort in and partner with you to make that happen. But today we're going to, you know, this is going to be a year of, you know, transformation for us. Because the goal of our spiritual lives is, you know, transformation. And that's what we're going to be concentrating on this year. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Romans 12, chapter 2. And some of you, you know, have memorized this. But if you don't, I'll have it up on um, the screens here. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So he starts off by saying, do not be conformed to this world. So basically what he's saying, do not look like this world. You know, the closest thing I could think of is... Uh, do any of you have Tempur-Pedic beds? Any of you have Tempur-Pedic beds? You know, when we were looking for beds, I tried one out. And, and what's the biggest selling point of the Tempur-Pedic bed? It conforms to you. So when you lie down, whatever your body is, it conforms to your body. Right? So whatever imprint your body leaves, it's exactly the same thing as your body. But some of us are like Tempur-Pedic Christians, where when it comes to conforming um, the, the way we live our lives and the, our values are pretty much conformed to this world, right? So when they look at us, you know, there is no difference between the way we live our lives and the way the world lives their lives. And what Pop, the Apostle Paul says is don't do this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So when we look at the world and we look at you, there should be a huge difference. There should be, you should look nothing like the world. And so that's what he's trying to um, encourage us because it's so easy for us to want to live by the pattern of this world. Right? And what this world has to offer. But what the apostle says, do not be conformed. Do not let your spiritual life be a temperpedic version of this world. Right? But then he says, but be transformed by the renewal of, of your mind. Now this word is interesting. Be transformed. Now, it's in the passive here. So what that means is that you are being acted upon. Okay, and then as you know, you have Tempur-Pedic, you have Transformers, right? And for me, you know, I'm a Transformers collector. And basically what a Transformer is, it's a robot that could transform into a vehicle. It could transform into something else. And so it changes, right? It changes. And so what he's saying here is that we need to be transformed or the word is metamorphous or metamorpho. And that's where we get the word metamorphous from. It's the same word that we use when you see a caterpillar being transformed into a butterfly, right? Where they're two different things. They're not the same anymore. And so what the apostle Paul here is saying that each one of us need to be transformed, that we are no longer to look like this world, that we, we are to be transformed into something else. And what is that something else? It's the likeness of Christ. But I think the problem that a lot of us have is um, we think that we're the transforming agent, 
right? Well, we work really, really hard to say, you know, if I only do this more, then I'll be more like Christ. But if you take a look, it says, be transformed. And this is a wonderful thing about um, <clears throat> spiritual growth or spiritual development, is we're not the one doing the work. We don't transform ourselves. We cannot transform ourselves. It is through the power of God who does the transforming work. Yet so many of us get so weary and get so tired of trying to do it ourselves. But he says by doing what? By renewing of your mind. Right? By the renewing of your mind. Why? Because the mind is where all of our decisions are made. Our mind is where we come up with all of these excuses and reasons not to do something. You know, one of the things when, you know, I really used to be into mountain biking and biking. There was one thing, and I used to, you know, bike in Griffith Park in the hills. And used to go about maybe 15 miles a day in the hills. But I realized one thing. If I could get myself out of that front door with my bike, I'm going to complete 15 miles. Right? But the hardest thing was to get out that front door. Because as I was getting ready, there was all of these going things going through your mind. Is, oh, Dave, you, you know, you're kind of tired. You know, going up to the observatory and up to near the Hollywood sign, man, that's hard. Do you really want to do that? Remember the last time you almost got run, you almost ran over a rattlesnake? You know, do you want to really do that? You know, and, and so that was the problem. The battle was what? Up here. But I guarantee you, every single time that I walked out that door with my bike, I always completed what I wanted to do. The battle was to get out of that front door. And maybe for us, that's the battle, right? That's the battle. We know that God is calling us to live a certain life. We know there are certain behaviors that he wants us to adhere to, right? Because he knows that they're the best for us. But where's the battle? The battle is in my mind. The battle is, oh God, it's just one time. Oh God, everybody's doing it. Why can't I? You know, or it's hard, or I don't have time, I'm tired. Where's that battle? It's all up here. And this is why, um, you know, he's saying that we need to renew our minds. Renew our minds. And that's where the battle is. You know, John Artbrook says this, the primary goal of the spiritual life is human transformation. The primary goal of the spiritual life is human transformation. It is not making sure people know where they're going after they die or helping them to have a richer interior life or seeing that they have lots of information about the Bible. Although these things can be good things, let's put first things first. The first goal of spiritual life is the reclamation of the human race. Basically what he's saying, our goal, the reason why you're here today is to become more like Jesus Christ. It's to become 
more like Jesus Christ. That's your goal. That's why you're here, right? I mean, you're giving up a lot to be here. You know, as Marco said, it's the NFL playoffs right now. You know, some of you might have been, I wish I could have stayed at home to watch a football game, but you're here. Some of you, you know, may have sacrificed. Maybe there are other things that you could have done, but you're here. There are sacrifices you make for Mission Valley, and why do you do it? And the goal is what? So you could be more like Jesus Christ. However, you know, we know that that's the goal. That we're supposed to be transformed to be like Jesus Christ. But what happens if it's not happening in our lives? Have you ever been that, felt that way? You know, I have, where it's like, man, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and it seems like I'm worse now than I was five years ago, right? And it's frustrating because that we know that we're supposed to be different, We know that we're not supposed to conform to this world. We know that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of each one of us to help transform our lives. But what happens when we don't see that transformation? Then we embark on the journey of what John Ortberg calls pseudo-transformation. And pseudo pretty much means not genuine, not a genuine transformation. You know, if we look at our lives and we're not becoming more loving, we're not becoming more kind, we're not coming, becoming more patient, we don't have more self-control. When we don't see those things happening, what we do is we use external markers to show that we're different. Okay, if I look at my life right now, you know, it's not looking like I'm becoming more Christ-like. So I know I'm supposed to be different than my unbelieving friend. So what do we do? We, show, we, we use these external markers like, you know, I read my Bible. Ah, that shows that I'm transformed because I read my Bible and my unbelieving friends don't. Or I serve in my church. They don't. I tithe. They don't. You know, I pray, and they don't. Now, these aren't all, these are good things, but the problem is these things are um, not the goal. The goal is transportation, transportation, transformation, (laughs) transformation. These are just means to an end, right? But when we're not seeing our lives transform into the likeness of Jesus Christ, what do we do? We come up with other criteria to show that we are being changed and that we're different. But then also, sometimes we don't see transformation because we could be too hard on ourselves. You know, and this is some of you might be there too. Where you are harder on yourselves than God's hard on you, right? We're more critical of ourselves. And we take a look at our lives and we view where we are spiritually in this whole continuum by where we are right now. And we take a snapshot of our life and go, oh man, you know, you know what happened? I thought I was supposed to be growing. You know, it seems like I'm back where I was, I don't know, five years ago. But you know what? God takes a panoramic view of our life. God knows where you were 5, 
10, 15 years ago. And God sees where you are today. And he sees that growth. And other people probably could see it too. But we are the worst judge of that. Because we tend to evaluate ourselves based on our current circumstances. So if we're doing well spiritually, it's, hey, look, I'm doing well. But if we're doing bad, it's like, man, you know, I've been a Christian for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. And I'm not being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so that's the first thing that we have to realize is that God's the one that does the transformation, okay? And the battle is up here in our mind, and that's something that has to be transformed. And you go in Romans 8, 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on on the things of us, on, of the Spirit. And so once again, how will we transform? Well, one of the things that um, we know that the transformation process, God's working in our lives, is what do we set our mind on? And in God's viewpoint, there are two kinds of people. He said there are those who have you know, accepted his gift of salvation and are his children, and then there are those who have yet to um, enter into a relationship with him. Those who have entered into a relationship with God, they set their things on, they set their mind on spiritual things. Those who have not entered into a personal relationship with God, what? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. And so, you know, granted there are Christians who, you know, are believers but tend to set the minds on things of the flesh, right? And so what do we need to do? We need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Why? Because we're different. You know, I, you know, several months ago I shared that the Bible says that we are new creatures, you know, that the old is past, and it is impossible for us to live our old life and to be happy, and to be satisfied, and to be fulfilled. Why? Because God changed us. He's changed us to set our minds on things, the spiritual things. And so we can only be happy. We can only be truly satisfied if we set our minds on spiritual things. Because we have a new mind. That's the way we're wired now. And there's no turning back. And so this is what's important. And so, you know, as Marco said, well, where do you learn these things? Well, the Bible. You know, the, the Bible is the clearest way we know the mind of Christ. And if we're not reading God's word, you know, how do we know? How do we set our mind on the things of the spirit if we're not reading God's word? Because it's in there. You know, what God wants us to know about him, what God wants to know about how we are to relate to him, it's in scripture. And if we don't read that, how do we know? And I guarantee you, if we're not reading the scripture and you're in a tough situation, God, the Holy Spirit's not going to come in and say, well, Dave, remember in uh, Romans 8, 5, it says this. It doesn't happen 
that way. If we're not reading scripture, those verses that apply to a certain um, area in our life as we're going through those struggles, they're not going to come to your mind. Because that's just not the way God works. The way he works is if we are in scripture, we're reading scripture, and then we come to those times where, okay, what do we do? God, what do I do? Then the Holy Spirit will bring into our mind the scriptures that we're reading. And that gives us guidance and directions. So, you know, that's really important. So maybe for some of us, this New Year's resolution will just be, you know, can I just start opening my Bible every single day and just reading it, just reading it, you know. And you could use a devotional guide out there. Whatever tool you have, this could be the year where you just say, you know what, God, I'm going to start, you know, reading the Bible because I want to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. So we have to have a transformed mind. We have to set our minds on spiritual things. And the third thing is we have to walk by the Spirit. And Galatians 5, 16, and we're going to end our devotion on this. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the reason we make New Year's resolutions, because we want certain things in our lives to change. You know, maybe we want to be nicer to our spouse. Maybe we want to be more organized. Maybe we want to be more healthy. But whatever it is, there's something in our lives that we know that needs to be changed. So we're going to make, we're going to make a resolution to make the necessary changes in order to see certain results. And that's why we make those resolutions. And sometimes we do this with scripture, right? You know, I'm sorry, with our spiritual lives. Where, you know, on Sunday, we all come here, we all have our Sunday best on, right? But at home, when no one's around, we know who we are. You know, we, we know who we are. We're not as patient as we are on Sunday. We're not as happy. We're not as positive of a person as we are on Sunday. We are not as encouraging as a person we are on Sunday. You know what? We all know that, right? We all know that. I mean, I know that, you know, sometimes there's a difference between who I am up here and who I am Monday through Saturday. And and then what we try to do is we try to say, okay, God, I'm not going to do that next time. God, I'm not going to get mad at that driver who cuts me off. God, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And what do we do? We try to use willpower to change, right? And this is why diets are so hard with willpower, because willpower will only get you so far. However, what does it say here? If you want to change your life, It's not through the power of your will. It'll never happen. You know, in the areas of your life, your character that you want changed, your willpower is not strong enough to um, uh, change that. And once again, it says, but I say walk by the Spirit. What's he saying here? Live your life according to the Spirit. You know, when you take a look at Scripture, apply the Scriptures to your life, and then let God take care of the rest. 
And I found that so true in my life. When there are things that I'm trying to work on, all I'm doing is if I'm walking with the Spirit, I don't even have to worry about those things because the Spirit takes care of those things. However, when I'm not walking with the Spirit, you know, the, the stuff that I'm trying to change, that comes out. Because the more I walk with the Spirit, when I walk with the Spirit, God produces righteousness in my life when I walk with the Spirit. However, when I'm not walking with the Spirit, evil gains an upper hand in my life. I still have a sin nature. And if I'm not walking by the Spirit, evil gains an upper hand in my life. And you don't think there are consequences? You know, I mean, you know, I was talking to, you know, certain parents, and there were things that I said to my son that I wish I never would have said. You know, there were things out of anger, you know, and things that, you know, I said to Grace out of just anger that I should have never said, right? And, you know, I've had to apologize to my son for saying those things. But you know what? Every time those things happened is when I was what? Not walking by the Spirit. And evil was gaining the upper hand in my life. And when things went wrong, when there was pressure, my old self reacted, and I did a lot of damage. And I guess, my guess is that there are some of you in here who've done the same thing, right? There are moments in our lives where we wish we could take back, but unfortunately we can't. The only thing we could do is ask for forgiveness and move on. And the way we do that, to prevent those things from happening, to change the areas in our character that we know need to be changing, is to walk by the Spirit. Because you are not transforming yourself. You, don't, you and I do not have the power to transform ourselves. Only the Holy Spirit does. And he will only do that if we start walking by the Spirit. But the beautiful thing is, when we walk by the Spirit, it's so easy. Why? Because God's doing the work. God's doing the heavy lifting, not us. But so many times, there's this pride. There's this stubbornness. That is, I got to do it on my own. And I'll figure out a way, come hell or high water. I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, and God's going to Dave, okay, go for it. You want to you wanna try to do it on your own? Go for it. You'll come to a place where you're going to come back to me. And it always happens. And so that's the third part. If you want your lives to be transformed, you have to walk by the Spirit. And that's going to be our you know, goal this year. And, you know, we're going to be talking about other ways to place ourselves in a position to be transformed. We're going to be talking about the spiritual disciplines and how we could, some of the practices that we could um, do to put ourselves into a place where God could do the work. Okay? Because Bible, reading the Bible doesn't change you. No. It's God's spirit through his word. When we apply it in our lives, that's what changes us. You know, if we just read the Bible for knowledge, 
It's not going to change us. We have to apply, you know, what it says. And so this is why I'm excited, you know, for this year. Because this is what we're going to concentrate on. We're going to concentrate on how do we transform our lives? How do we, uh, what, what do we need to do in order to become more like Christ? To allow God to become to transform us to be more like Christ. And that's what we're going to do this year. And that's what we're going to talk about. But it all started through Christ's work on the cross. None of this, none of this could have happened if Christ didn't die for us on the cross. Right? Because when he died for us on the cross, it's through his blood that we were able or at least have that potential to become alive in Jesus Christ. And this is why we celebrate communion. And I know that we do that every single month. And it could be something that, ah, it's routine. It's routine. But just like Maude Thornton, if she didn't follow God's obedience to come here, you know, Mission Valley would not exist. You know, and if Jesus Christ didn't come and die for us, and pay the payment for our sins, we would still be dead in our sins. And we would have no hope to become the people that he wants us to be. But because he did die for us, there is hope that we can become the people he created us to be.